Hey guys, I have missed you. I'm glad to be back. I've got a lot to catch you up on. Apologies for my hoarse, sick voice, but I'm glad to be here with you guys today. We're going to go through a couple of key issues that are just right at the peak of our news cycle right now and how that affects us and what we need to do about it. I hope that it helps you. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Hey guys, oh my goodness, it really has been a little while since I've posted a podcast and there is a couple of reasons why that is. One, obviously you might be able to hear it in my voice, I am a little sick and my whole family is a little sick. So we've been dealing with that. We've also been in the Middle Tennessee District Baseball and Softball Tournament. Um, All three of my children, my daughter was in the Softball All-Stars, and she did not advance through the district tournament, but we were in practice seven days a week between my three kids for two and a half weeks straight between the end of the season and the district tournament. My middle son, who has been on All-Stars a number of times before, also was eliminated in the district tournament, but my youngest son, who is a first-time All-Stars character, uh, was undefeated in the district tournament in all, what did they play, five games, undefeated. I mean, like, smashed the opposition. It's really quite hilarious. And so we are moving on with him to our state tournament which will be the weekend after 4th of July. So we are back in practice again, starting tonight and moving towards the state championship, which is really exciting for him because he's a first-time All-Stars kid and um, the youngest, so he doesn't often get to be the first to do anything. So we're super excited, but we have just been absolutely overwhelmed with ball. And we've had like a massive heat wave. I'm just on the verge of believing some of this climate change stuff here because it has been absolutely the hottest this month in June in Tennessee of the five years that I've lived here. We have only a handful of times even gotten into the 90s at all. And we have been in the mid to high 90s for ten the last 10 days, sands maybe one or two days. And it's definitely on the 10-day forecast moving forward. It's just a rough, rough June for heat. I also had my cousin here with his two girls, and that was such a blessing to be around family. They were here for nine days, and of course, they all got sick also. But I was so grateful because my three kids in my three tournaments were all at the same weekend in three different towns. And so... Um, uh, last I checked, there's only two parents and three children in three towns and three tournaments. And so I was very glad that he was here for that time to help me get kids in all the directions that they needed to go. So this past Saturday, there was six baseball, softball games, six games in one day in three towns. So it was hilarious. 
my daughter ended up getting a fever in the middle of her final game because she finally, the sickness caught up with her. And between just the heat of the day and playing baseball, it has just been rough, y'all. It has been rough. And so I have not had the, just honestly, the wherewithal to put together my thoughts around a podcast. But I also want to say, I'm a little bit disappointed to say this, that I have, I must have said something or done something to be throttled because the ad campaign that I was using with Anchor has been ended. Maybe it just expired. I'm not sure, but it just kind of abruptly ended. And that also corresponded with a cut in half of my listenership. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if I said something that everybody no longer wants to listen to, but my last four episodes are half the listenership of the previous, you know, year or so um, of that listenership. So I feel like I've been throttled. I'm being shadow banned. I've been hidden, which is to say I'm on the right track, right? I must be saying, I must be speaking truth if I'm now being limited or throttled in some capacity. So I can't quite figure it out. There's been a couple of episodes out now that have had that limited listenership. So I have a favor. (laughs) In the midst of my sickness and all this craziness, I need your guys' help because like I said, I am not on social media and I don't know how to force multiply myself in this way. But I do know that those of you who are hearing this or catching this, are able to share it. So if you are willing, if you listen to this and you enjoy it or you laugh or you learn, please, please share it either via text message with friends or on social media if you're willing or however, however it, you know, Holy Spirit leads you to share. Please, please do. I need your help. I need your help. Um, I'm hoping that we can just break through this wall, whatever this barrier is, this firewall and get the circulation up again. Um, not that it's a huge, huge moneymaker for me at all. It is not, but you never know. I just really want um, this information and hopefully this perspective to reach as many people as possible. So please help. Also, I have had the privilege of just being on several different podcasts recently, and a few of them have aired recently. Also, different subject matters, kind of different conversations, not just about my journey from atheism to Christianity, although that is a common thread. So I do want to also plug my newsletter. If you guys are not subscribed to my newsletter I only send it out maybe, gosh, five times a year. It's not something I'm trying to get better at doing it monthly, but that would be your worst case scenario is hearing from me once a month via your email. Uh, But if you do subscribe to my newsletter, you catch all of the news as to what's happening with me, what's in the new, what's, what's up and new about me in this case. I am just a few entries shy of completing the volume two of A Devotional for a Divided Nation, which is my uh, very current devotional for Americans as we walk through just this very strange time in our history, just to encourage you in the faith um, and also to the second volume of this devotional is really geared towards 
helping you to stay alert to what God is calling us to do and also to stay unified as a church, which is really tricky to do right this minute in a lot of ways. So that's kind of more the focus of volume two. That'll be out in just a couple of weeks, which I will release via my newsletter. So please, please subscribe to that. And if you haven't bought volume one, it's linked down below. I think you'll really enjoy it. It is an ebook, so you can read it on your phone first thing in the morning when you wake up instead of scrolling social media, you can get a little encouragement. And also, if you do subscribe to my newsletter as a first-time subscriber, you're going to get three free days of that devotional, so you can kind of get a taste of what it's all about. But I like to bring humor and truth together. Okay, so today, as an update, now that you've got an update on my personal life and my family and all the things that are going on with us, um, I want to just kind of go over just a couple of things that are... are um, not really new, <laughs> maybe updates on the current set of affairs in um, Russia and that conflict. Of course, inflation, we've got to talk about that. And then, of course, this recent gun control bill that just passed yesterday, as I'm recording this, passed the Senate. Um, gosh, okay, let's just dive in and talk about some of these things. So a new bit of information with Russia, I'm still just unsure. I'm just unsure what the heck this Russia thing is about. My best guess is it is, and this is just so cynical of me and very conspiratorial, but my best guess is that this is just our attempt to destabilize and um, distract and have a place to blame (laughs) a lot of our country's issues on Putin, right? I mean, we joke around my house that oh, you know, I'm getting, I just scraped my knee. Oh, it's Putin's fault. You know, like, it just seems really ridiculous how much Biden and the powers that be are willing to point the finger at Putin. Is he entirely without blame? No. Is he the cause of our inflation in this country? Most certainly not. And that was actually just (laughs) agreed upon by our um, Federal Reserve Chair, Jerome Powell, yesterday or the day before he said he concurred that Putin and the conflict in Ukraine is in no way the leading driver of inflation in this country. As a matter of fact, there are a number of graphs. If you look into how high inflation was when Trump took office, which it was below 2%, I'm sorry, it was below 2% when Trump left office. And then there is this really aggressive spike starting immediately in February of 2021 when Biden came into office. And then you can see the part, the point at the very high part of the spike that was already taking place when the invasion of Ukraine took place. And that was just February of this year. So only a few short months ago, we had already achieved very high levels, record-breaking levels of inflation before the Ukraine conflict even began. So that is not the reason that we are experiencing inflation here, but I'll get into that in just a second. What happened this week that is cause for concern is in Lithuania, basically there is a pass-through from Belarus, which is a, you know, you can call it Russian, um, Russian occupied territory, if you will. Um, Russia has been in Belarus for a, a long time, lots of troops and military there. And then there's uh, Lithuania. And then right on the coast is Kilingrad. And 
Kaliningrad is also kind of Russian territory or occupied by Russia. And there's there has been what you want to call maybe like an easement, a pass through the country of Lithuania that Russia has used to basically get access to the coast, right, and have um, a port and railway that allows for Russian troops to get what they need, not just Russian troops, but Russia, to get what they need from ports into the inland territory of Belarus and then on to the mainland of Russia. It's a very important place. It's an important pass-through or, or easement to Russia. And Lithuania, being a NATO country, has recently uh, not no longer allows Russia to use the pass-through. They're blocking Russia's access to their territory in Kilingrad and their ports on the coast which is just an interesting thing to do. I mean, yes, it falls in line with the just never-ending sanctions that end up hurting all the rest of the West and not really hurting Russia at all. As a matter of fact, all of the sanctions that we've put in place so far have only served to strengthen the ruble absolutely through the roof. The ruble is now one of the strongest currencies on the globe. This is the Russian currency. It is backed by gold now, which just puts our currency to shame. Russia has, as we've discussed before, a very um, intentional plan to undermine the dollar, to unseat the dollar from the global currency, from the reserve currency. They're doing a splendid job, as actually I would say we're doing a splendid job of unseating ourselves from the currency, the reserve currency status by these sanctions and basically allowing for the ruble to become so strong and allowing Russia to to have so much power over the West and over Europe. It's just insane. So the sanctions that we've been putting in place with the the intention of punishing Russia has really just punished us. And here we go with Lithuania kind of following suit and towing the line with, you know, what they consider a sanction by not allowing Russia this access that Russia has previously had access to. And it's interesting and and a, a very a possible significant uptick in the conflict and in our involvement in this conflict in a real way, because that Lithuania is a NATO country. So what that means is if Russia, you know, declares war or goes and invades a NATO country, Ukraine is not a NATO country. They want to be. I'm glad they're not because we would have to be involved in a different way uh, based on the conflict that already exists. But Lithuania is a NATO country. And so if Russia, you know, decides because of Lithuania's actions against Russia at this point, if Russia then decides to take action against Lithuania, that basically is a trigger for all of these other NATO allied countries to have to come to the defense of Lithuania. Lithuania is a very small country, especially compared to Russia. So we would then have to be forced to get involved in more than just sending money and more than just sanctions. And that could mean boots on the ground. Um, that would be bad. That would be bad. That would be basically stepping us into a true military conflict in a in a new way in a it would be the beginning of a very large large lengthy expensive conflict and it would not serve us in any way um this is where 
you know, the NATO and United Nations and all of these different things, you know, they're, they serve a purpose, or I should say they did serve a purpose at a point in time. And I, I wonder if there has been need to reevaluate and um, look at the possible consequences of that, especially given this, the fact that our country is incredibly weak right now. We are in an incredibly weak position. I know there is a, not, a lot of question as to whether or not we're on the verge of a recession. You guys, mark my words, it will come out later, because hindsight is twenty twenty. that the recession actually started at the beginning of 2020. Like, we're already in a recession. And this kind of brings me to my next point. Why is this happening with Lithuania? Why, why are we escalating this conflict? Uh, why are we continuing to send just an outrageous amount of money? You guys, it's just so, it's really hard to fathom if you follow you know, military budgets and what the cost of, of wars have been in the past per year, or what what Ukraine's military budget, the amount of money that the United States alone has sent to Ukraine is absolutely a huge driver of inflation, a huge issue because we don't have the money to be spending. We are just inflating our national debt, which is just, I mean, think about it. Like if you were a family, think about it. The budget works the same. Econ uh, economics works the same no matter the scale, right? So if you are a family that makes $50,000 a year, and spends $100,000 a year, what does that eventually equate to bankruptcy? Like you collapse under the weight of that debt. You can never get out in front of it. You cannot pay it off ever. There's no, there's no scenario where that works, right? That's exactly where our country is. Like there's no scenario, you guys, where we get out in front of this, where we get back you know, where we pay off our debt or service our debt in a reasonable way. There's just no scenario where that happens. And that's, we're only perpetuating this problem. Now, I did hear an interesting theory that I haven't heard before, and I can't, I can only repeat it. I can't really speak to the validity of it. But they said, and I can't even remember where I heard this, but they, they were saying that potentially the reason why we're giving away so much money is because then people will spend it, right? So if we give it to Ukraine and Ukraine spends this money, the American dollars on whatever it is they're spending our dollars on, it intrinsically gives value to the dollar. Just because people are using the dollar actually helps prop it up. I think there's some logic there, right? I'm not, I can't speak to the economics behind that theory, but I'm like, that's really interesting. And this, this would explain in a lot of ways why we're giving, you know, Afghanistan gender studies money and like all of these ridiculous, you know, ear tags or earmarks in our giant bills that we, you know, put in a ton of US dollars into these bills that then get spent on all these different countries and all these ridiculous causes. Potentially there's some truth to that sustaining or upholding or, or propping up the dollar. But I'm sure even in this just simple explanation of that theory, it's artificial. It's not real value behind the dollar. It's just an artificial or, you know, kind of band-aid. So I believe that all of this, the inflation, the conflict in Russia, even the gun control situation we're going to talk about in a minute, is to have a something to point at, to blame. If we now have to engage 
in an escalated conflict with Russia, we have we can continue to blame Russia. We can continue to blame Putin for all of our problems back here in the United States that were created by us before this conflict even started. Uh, it continues to destabilize our country, our currency, which I do believe, and this is the conspiratorial side of me, is the end goal. We just heard Jerome Powell talk about, gosh, last week, the digital dollar in a real way. They are creating it. They're hoping for that to be an answer, potential um, alternative to the dollar or a solution to inflation or whatever. It's real. We're talking about a digital dollar. We're talking about these things that I'm like, these are scary things. And they're being positioned in the mainstream media as things that are good or say, you know, savior things. And we know how these things work out in the Bible. They're never the savior. Okay, let's talk about inflation. Europe is um, over 9% inflation. Uh, Sri Lanka just collapsed entirely. Their economy collapsed entirely, they announced yesterday, which means they can no longer even pay for the import of oil. This is a small country off the coast of India. Um, they have been in turmoil for a very long time. This is not a surprising thing, but it's just, again, we're kind of starting to see a little bit of a tipping point here. The United States is very, very tied to Europe and the euro. And so if we see a large scale collapse or inflation or hyperinflation in Europe, we're going to see it here that we're connected and vice versa. So it's important to kind of keep your eye on what are the inflation rates in other countries. They're not good. It's not going well. And I read an article in the Epic Times yesterday. I do subscribe to the Epic Times. I love that um, news source. It is there's lots of videos if you like, you know, visual news. Um, audiovisual news. There's lots of great articles about all kinds of different topics. They really are fair and balanced. Of course, that's my opinion. Um, but they wrote an article about the stages of inflation, and I found this really interesting. So I just kind of want to recap the stages. The first stage is money illusion, which happened in 2020. This is where our inflationary, you know, kind of setup started because we got all of these stimulus checks. We infused a tremendous amount of new money into the market. Um, there's, you know, statistics of 70 or 80 percent. I don't know the specific number, 70 or 80 percent of the, all the dollars that have ever been in circulation have been printed in the last two years. That should just be staggering, staggering information. But this was due to the pandemic, which let's remember, this is why the cause of the pandemic where did this virus come from? Was it natural or did it come from Wuhan? their lab there? These are important questions. It, it's not that it doesn't matter. It, it does matter because look at what it has led us to. Look at all of the new government spending, the new laws, the new regulations, the state of emergencies, The all of this has come from the pandemic. So if this is inflation, the collapse of our currency, the election issues, all of this can be tied back to this pandemic. So if this pandemic was released intentionally, uh, it's incredibly important that we know that. And who did it? Because all of this is a result of that, which again, this is it's feels conspiratorial, but it's not. It's like, well, if if this was on purpose and all of these things came to pass because of this intentional leak of a virus and a global pandemic, then we have to wonder, did you do the release of the virus so that you could get to this end? 
I wonder, right? I wonder. Hopefully that makes sense. So the money illusion comes from the stimulus and from this um, a tremendous amount of, of government creating money out of thin air. This is the best way to say it. And the money illusion is when you get these checks in the mail, you feel like you have more money than you actually do. But because all of this money has just been printed out of thin air, each dollar is worth less. So it's an illusion. You don't actually have 600 more dollars. You have the same amount of money you had before because everything costs a little bit more, right? So it's an illusion. But you go out there and you spend your money and you think you have, you know, you think you got a leg up. You didn't get a leg up. You actually just started off a terrible cycle of, uh, or not even a cycle, a, you, you, that was the jumping off point off the cliff of inflation is this illusion that there's more money than there actually is. You don't have more money. Um, the second thing is the, when the reality hits, there's this kind of recognition of, okay, gas prices are up and, you know, food prices are up and everybody has this, this understanding that it's temporary. Okay. The federal reserve and the government use the word transitory again and again and again, all through 2021, the inflation rate is transitory. It's transitory, which means temporary. It means, you know, it'll average out to be about the same inflation rate as every other year. This is just a spike, but then it's going to go down again and it's going to average out to, you know, have been basically an irrelevant spike in inflation. So transitory is the word. Temporary is the way that we receive that information. So what that means in in the real world is we don't change a thing. We still buy the same amount of food. We still go everywhere we want to go in our car and we just pay the higher price because we think of it as temporary. So we're not actually making any changes to our behavior. Then we hit step three, which is really where we are right now, which is called the Epic Times referred to it as hard bargaining. This is where we start to realize that inflation is here to stay. It is no longer temporary. Even, you know, our friend Janet Yellen is saying that it'll be here through the end of 2023. Okay, that's terrible because that's 18 months from now, right? So when you have this realization that, okay, I can't afford these gas prices long-term. I can't afford the food long-term. I'm going to need to go to my boss and ask for more money. I need a raise. And here's a perfect example. I have a friend who owns a small business who was willing to offer her employee who would usually, you know, a, a, a typical raise for a year's evaluation. It was this employee's one year anniversary at this job. And so they were doing the year anniversary. A typical raise would be about 3%. They were prepared to offer her a raise of 10% because of inflation, right? So this is kind of our beginning phase of of permanent inflationary climate is we're recognizing we have to pay our employees more. And so they were going to offer her 10% and she came in and asked for um, a whole lot more than that. She actually asked for more of like a 25% raise um, that she felt she needed or deserved or what whatever that would be. This is the hard bargaining point because what happens if you give that employee even a 10% raise? Well, the cost of doing business for you has just gone up, which means you have to raise your prices. 
the costs of your services, the costs of your goods go up because you have to pay your employees more money. This is this was the argument used against a raise in minimum wage. Again, when I, we have these discussions about economics, I am not an economist. I have a very rudimentary understanding of these things, but if we raise, you know, let's let's just move back to the Trump presidency when a bunch of the far left progressives were talking about we need to raise the we need to raise the minimum wage up to $20, you know, we need to get it we need to raise it by 5 or $10. I'm like, okay. Yeah, sure, that's lovely. I hear what you're saying, except for the fact that if you pay everyone who works at McDonald's $20 an hour, how much do you suppose that burger is going to cost you? It a, a small business either pays fewer people more, which means more people are unemployed because they just can't afford it, or they raise the prices of their goods and services. These are your two options. So this is where the hard bargaining comes in, and this is where we're at right now. We're at the beginning of this phase where we're recognizing this is not temporary, this is not transitory, it's here to stay, we need to make some life changes, and we're settling in to an inflationary climate, we're asking our employers for more, and then the final stage of inflation is pay cuts and unemployment going through the roof, because you cannot sustain paying everybody a a tremendous amount more, because you either, like I said, have to raise the price of your goods or services a tremendous amount, which only perpetuate, perpetuates inflation, or you have to significantly cut back on your workforce. But the deal is a, a small business owner is never going to, they're going to try to stay alive as long as possible and they cannot operate off no profit, can't operate off no profit. If you know anything about small business ownership, you know that the owners of the business are the ones taking the smallest paycheck, right? My friend is the owner of a a Christian band. He hasn't taken a paycheck in the past six months because they're, they're having issues with getting back on the road and touring and merchandise and blah, blah, blah. And they're seeing a, a, loss in the money coming in and he can't just, you know, cut all of his employees off. So it comes out of his pocket first, right? This is the way that small business owners run their businesses. But there comes a point where small business owners cannot sustain that hit. They can sustain it short term. They cannot perpetually not take a profit. And I had to laugh yesterday when Biden suggested that gas stations which are small business owners, that gas stations simply sell the gas for the price they bought it for. Okay, that would be lovely, except for it would still be tremendously high because it's not it's not that the gas stations are doing the price gouging. The oil is costing a tremendous amount more than it was before, which is causing gas prices to go through the roof. But to ask a small business owner to essentially give up all of your profit is what does that do? Like they can they can't sustain that. That's not something that can happen. And his other suggestion of of eliminating the um, gas tax for the summer. <laughs> okay, that would be lovely. Except for you just spent that gas tax that gas tax that like you haven't yet collected on your enormous infrastructure bill. Like you can't just stop collecting the money that you've already spent. I mean, all of these solutions are asinine. We are in true trouble. We are in true trouble. 
And I want to just kind of talk very briefly about the gun control situation that just went through the Senate yesterday with 14 Republicans signing on with the Democrats to pass this gun control bill. There's a number of things that are I have an issue with in terms of this gun control. The first thing is Republicans are always the ones making the concession. It's never the Democrats making the concession. <laughs> It's always the Republicans making the concession, and yet Republicans are always the one blamed for standing in the way and blockading and blah, blah, blah. But I have to say, unfortunately, we are no longer in a place where we can be libertarian. <laughs> this is actually a conversation that I've had with my husband a number of times, both of us registered libertarians. I feel like we are outdated now, my husband and I, specifically me. This is, a, I won't speak for him. I'm, I'm, you know, having this debate with him because I feel like libertarianism is truly where probably most Americans actually land in a political, you know, capacity. But libertarians are, it only works if everybody is in agreement. And the, the baseline premise of libertarianism is I won't make you do what I think you should do if you don't make me do what I, you think I should be doing. So basically live and let live. I'm going to do my thing over here. I don't care who you marry or what you do. And of course, I think there's some conflict. This is why I call myself a liberal uh, conservatarian, a conservatarian. I'm more of a conservative libertarian because I do feel like some things need conserving. Like we do need to stand up for um, unborn. We do need to stand up for children and protect children against this, you know, gender ideology that is allowing for chemical castration at very young ages. I feel like there are certain things that I align more with the conservative movement. A libertarian stance on either of those issues would be like, I'm not going to abort my baby, but I'm not going to make it illegal for you to abort your baby, right? I feel like that's an, a libertarian stance. That's a stance I have to break away from my libertarian life on and go, no, I'm actually more of a conservative in that area. Same with the gender chemical castration. Generally speaking, I don't care who you marry. I don't care, you know, if you are a grown adult and you are a man that thinks you're a woman, you'd like to transition to be a woman, go for it. Do that. If you would like to do that, that's fine. That's a libertarian stance. The place I land in conservatism land is children, right? I believe they need to be protected, conserved. So the libertarian ideal only works if the other side is respecting of that. So if I stand as a libertarian and say, I don't care if you want to become a man, you know, and you're a woman, that's fine. Just don't bring your drag queens into my kid's school. Don't force it on my lifestyle if that's your lifestyle. That would be the libertarian stance on it. Unfortunately, the progressive left is no longer respecting those boundaries. It's a, okay, we are standing over here saying, we're okay if you want to do that. We'll make sure that you're protected and have all the laws and rights and everything that you want to have. But then you're saying, okay, that's great. Thank you very much. But also now you have to participate. But also now you have to celebrate this. Also now you have to join in with us, right? This is where libertarianism is breaking down in this current climate. And this is where I am saying Republican, Democrat, the, we are all, we need to abandon these titles. And where I see the majority of America is sitting back on their laurels, unengaged, not paying attention, not understanding, and not caring. 
And that used to be fine. (laughs) That used to be fine because there would be a little bit of a balance, right? When there was a Democratic president in the White House, maybe there was some, you know, either the House or the Senate was controlled by Republicans, and there seemed to be a little bit of a balance. We've, lo- we've abandoned balance. We've been willing to corrupt at the highest levels, including the Republican Party. We know the Democratic Party is corrupt. The Republican Party is worse in certain ways because they say they're not, but they are. At least the Democrats always tell you what they are doing. They tell you right out in front, this is my goal, this is my plan, this is what I'm doing. Republicans say one thing to your face and then go and represent you in a different way on Capitol Hill. And we're waiting around for these midterms. We're waiting around for 2024 when there's a new president. And we're thinking that all of our problems are going to be solved by these people, by this midterm or by these presidents that are going to come in in the in some future day and, and change everything and be great and bring all the hope and the change. And I have to a call to action. We can no longer depend on these representatives to change our situation. You have to be engaged. You have to understand. You have to prepare. You have to prepare because I my fear these days is that a, a tremendous amount of people are going to be caught off guard. A dear friend of mine is ju- just went to Costco this week and like bought all this canned food. I'm like, I'm so glad you did that. I've been telling you to do that for about eight months now. I'm so glad you finally caught on to it. And, and she's like, you know, we got to do this and people got to prepare and people got, I'm like, yes, yes, that's exactly right. Yes, absolutely. Inflation is coming. It's not going to be fixed by people that are not us. We have got to prepare for that. Republicans are the worst snakes in the grass. I am like the, the all, very few are without the title of rhino. Republican in name, no, in name only is what rhino stands for, right? Meaning they present themselves as conservatives, but they don't actually have any conservative bone in their body. Mitt Romney, your classic case. He has not voted for a conservative issue like one time in the last, I don't even know how long. And he was a Republican candidate for presidency. That should tell you everything you need to know, right? Um, Republicans are the worst snakes in the ga- in the grass. People are too passive right now. We're waiting for midterms. We're waiting for 2024. It will be too late. Politics is not going to solve this. Our politicians are corrupt at the highest levels. We have got to make hard choices now. We have got to start paying attention. We have got to start understanding. We've got to start being more brave. We've got to start understanding and reevaluating history, trends, I know sometimes it's boring. I know sometimes it's overwhelming. I know sometimes it's fear provoking. We don't need fear because we have faith. We don't need to have fear, (laughs) but we do need to be prepared. We do need to be prepared. The reason why I'm saying all of this is having to do with this gun control legislation that just went through the Senate with 14 Republicans selling us down the river. The biggest part of this gun control ban that I have an issue with, first of all, please go listen to my Second Amendment podcast. Or um, yeah, I think I talked about it on that podcast about we're striking at the wrong places. We are taking this gun control bill will do zero things for the mentally ill people. It says that there's all this, you know, in the bill, there's, there's, um, provisions made for making schools safer or addressing mental health or all it's all talk is cheap 
Talk is cheap. There's no actual plan. There's no plans to make our schools actually safer. There's no plans to address mental illness in a real way. The only thing this gun control bill is doing is making more criminals out of law-abiding citizens. It's putting more restrictions on law-abiding citizens. And Charlie Kirk did a great podcast podcast about this yesterday in regards to this gun control bill. But my biggest issue with it is the red flag laws, which a lot of states already have red flag, flag laws in place. This is how a red flag law works. If you have a neighbor who does not like you, they can report you as being a possible threat somebody who should be evaluated for whether or not they should be allowed to own firearms, then there is going to be a, um, a court hearing where you are not invited. You do not know that is happening. It's happening behind your back. And a court is deciding, a judge is deciding whether or not to revoke your Second Amendment rights. That's, how, that's what a red flag law is. It can be an ex-boyfriend, an ex-girlfriend that is been out of shape, an ex-wife that's been out of shape. It could be a neighbor that doesn't like your Trump sign in the yard. You ever have an, a conflict with someone at work, a debate about politics that gets heated at work, they can call in and report, I'm say this person is obviously has these crazy ideologies and I'm very concerned that they're going to come into our workplace and shoot it up. Well, now there's going to be a hearing that you don't even know happens behind your back where your due process is eliminated, which is part of our constitution, and your second amendment is revoked, which is part of our constitution. You guys have to remember our constitution and our bill of rights were put in place to limit the government. It was not to grant our rights to us, okay, that's not what the Constitution or the Bill of Rights does. Our rights were given to us at birth by God. The Constitution protects the government from taking those things away. This gun control bill, and I'm sure it will wind up on the foot of the, the Supreme Court's steps, which that's a whole nother issue because there's a whole movement after this Roe v. Wade to pack the courts again and basically eliminate the Supreme Court as a blockade to the progressive left's agenda to do whatever the heck they want to do. If they can eliminate the court, which I believe is already highly corrupt. There's a few I love on there. Thomas and Alito, I love you. Um, if they can corrupt the courts, then we will have no blockades to protect our constitution left. We won't have anything left. With the amount of executive orders that come through and the amount of unconstitutional laws that go through Congress, the Supreme Court is our last standing hope for protection of our constitutional rights. But it is super important that we remember those rights are given to us by God and the Constitution protects us from our government taking them. This red flag law that has come, comes down the pipe from yesterday with the Senate passing this gun control law is in direct opposition to the rights that we have innately as God created humans on earth. You cannot take away our Second Amendment rights to bear arms. You cannot rob us of our right to due process. Goodness gracious. So I'm, I'm sick about it. I'm sick that this is happening. I'm sick at the state and direction of our country. There's a million fronts where we are moving in the wrong direction. 
I am very grateful and at such peace that we have a sovereign Lord who is not surprised by any of this. This is always the thing that I hear all this, I read about it, I learn about it, it makes me angry, but I then I'm able to surrender it, and I hope you are too. But I want you guys to anchor in further and further and further into the sovereignty of our Lord. He is in control. This is part of his plan. It is for our good. Therefore, we do not have to fear it. But that does not mean that we do not have to prepare for it. He is opening our eyes. He is removing scales so that we can see what is happening, so that we can be the watchman he has called us to be, so that we can prepare in the ways he is calling us to prepare. Whatever that means, each family might, that might look different. My husband is still inundated as a realtor with people from all over this country who are looking to move to this area. They want land. They want water. They want to be at the end of a dead end road. They all have the same exact fears, concerns, and outlook as I do. This is not just me. This is not just a thing. This is a wide scale look at the writing on the wall. Be prepared in the ways that God is calling you to be prepared. Things are not about to change. Things are not about to get better. Our midterms are not going to correct the problems. Is that a step in the right direction? Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how they go, right? But based on the Republicans that we currently have supposedly representing us in our Senate right now, selling us out, selling us out, just absolutely no regard for our God-given rights protected by the Constitution, just capitulating to the far progressive right, I'm sorry, far progressive left, and I don't know, I guess they have to send some sort of virtue signal up because we had uh, m- enough mass shootings that now they have to do some sort of gun control bill. Again, we're not even attacking the thing at the at the right source. We're not even going to the right source. We're just like falling right into the hands of the people who are writing the playbook. Like it's so crazy to me. It's so wild. But there you go. I'm about to be at the end of my voice. So I hope that that gave you a little bit of an update as to what is happening in our world. And again, I just, the point of all of this, the point of me wanting to share this information with you, again, is not to inspire fear. Never ever to inspire fear. To encourage you that God is good. He is still on the throne. He is in control. We need to prepare though. This is not just going to, he's, he's not, because God is good, that does not mean that we will always have good times, right? I feel like this is a fallacy that people are relying very heavily on. God is good. We are going to have good times. God is good. America is going to survive. God is good. We're going to come out on top. Not true, not true, not true. Maybe, but not necessarily, a, it's certainly not a promise. So we need to prepare for hard times. We need to get out in front of this so that we are not caught off guard, so that we are not ruled by fear when and if the time comes. Hope that helps. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, I just pray for the spirit of fear to be broken off. Anyone who hears these words and is intimidated or fearful or overwhelmed by this information, by learning about these things, Lord, I just pray for that all to be broken off in Jesus' name. Let us feel empowered with information. Let us be directed with this information. Let us have ears to hear what you would have us do with this information. In what ways would you have us prepare, Lord? We are just 
laying it all at your feet. We are trusting in your goodness. We are trusting in your plans. We know they are for our good. We surrender it all to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.